I just was touched on my heart to share how much I love this church. Now, the church is not the building or the rugs or the chairs that we sit in. The church is all of us who are here. And, you know, when I come here, I see the kindness. I see the patience that we have for each other. The kids are playing around, running, lots of life. I see we serving food and sharing dinner with each other and talking story. And we I see examples of kindness and goodness where we get to people that come up to the window at a dollar short or can't afford a dinner, and we just bless them. The person behind pays for them or somebody before them pay, leaves a little extra for them. And it's just the love that we have. And when there's lots of love, there's giving. But are these fruits that we shared, patience, kindness, goodness, love, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I would say the Holy Spirit is here with us tonight as we get to fellowship, worship, Lord, and, and just being together. And with that, the love is exemplified by our giving. You know, that's an extra step of what we do for worshiping our Lord Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you put us a place such as New Hope to come and worship you. That's such an honor for us to have, for us to be able to give back to you with our tithes and offerings. And I just ask that you just humbly accept it, Lord, and just use it to further your kingdom. All is yours already, but we get to give back to you. And that's out of relationship with you, out of love, not out of a, command, a commandment, not out of duty, but out of love for who you are in our lives. And I just pray that it be a joyful giving to you at all times. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Good, good I was going to say good morning. How's that? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night Equipping Disciples Services. And yes, I agree that I believe the Holy Spirit is here. In fact, the Holy Spirit is always here. And so tonight, uh, we are concluding our spiritual discipline series by discovering the life of a worshiper. I know we end this series with worship as a lifestyle because it's the ultimate priority of every believer. God is worthy of our worship and designed worship to be the entrance into our personal world of circumstances where his sovereignty has been at work. Worship causes believers to gather in his name, prioritizes our life, our life as a believer, keeps us humble like children, and chips away at everything that is not of the Lord that is in our lives. And you know what's so remarkable is when we come together or when it comes to worship, I truly believe that there's nothing better than worship because I remember when I came to this church, I was a, I was a youth. I was, uh, I think I was a junior in high school. And my friends had invited me to come to church. And at this time, I was like, I had no idea what church looked like. I thought, like, I was, some of you probably thought the same thing that I thought, that once I step on the property, it's all going to catch on fire. And so I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought, you know, I, I didn't know what church was like. And so my friend's like, hey, you got to come to church. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that happen. And so I remember I came to church, uh, in our youth ministry. And so, I mean, I'm eating and hanging out and, and all this and that. And then I hear, uh, I don't think it was Pastor Sheldon because he was the youth pastor, but I don't think he was the one that said it, but somebody said, all right, guys, we're going to get ready for worship. 
what? Like, what is worship? And so I look at my friend, I'm like, dude, what is worship? And he's like, well, worship is where we come and we sing songs and we lift our hands and do all this stuff and, and you know, we praise God. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're saying because I've never been in church. It's like, oh, you, you, you just got to check it out. You just got to check it out. So they start playing. And so, you know, you know they do the, the fast songs, right? They do the praise songs at first. So everybody's clapping. You know, I'm like, I'm looking around like, I don't know the words. I'm just going to clap so I fit in. And I'm like saying watermelon the whole time. Like watermelon, watermelon, yeah. And so, and so we get through that part of, of worship. And then we go into the, you know, the, the more deep worship. And then I start seeing people uh, lifting their hands and like I'm sitting next to my friend is here and somebody I don't know is uh, standing right here. And when it comes to worship, this person starts lifting their hands next to me and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what, what's, like, and then I start, I see everybody starts lifting their hands and I'm like, Like, hello. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what they're doing. And then I see that their eyes are closed, and I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know the song, so if I close my eyes, I cannot see the words. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep saying watermelon. And then, like, some of them are crying, and I'm like, why are y'all crying? Like, is something bad about to happen? Like, I'm freaking out, and I'm like, I don't understand any of this. And, uh, and then, like, you know, and then after worship gets done, and they say, oh, okay, well, greet one another. And, and then people are, like, hugging. I'm like, how's it? Bro, I don't know what you got. But you guys are weird. Why are you guys raising your hand crying, and now you guys are coming to hug me? I don't know any of this. So if that was you on your first time coming to church, I feel you, okay? But that's what I thought worship was. I thought it was all that. And here's the thing. For some of us, we think that that is what worship is, or that worship is what we did just about 10 minutes ago. That we sang, we clapped our hands, we lifted our hands, some of us, we shouted. You know, the music was pounding, the worship team was on point, and our voices were raised in harmony, and the, and the beat was stirring our hearts and souls. I mean, that was worship, right? What if we lived every moment of every day just as we did 10 minutes ago? What if we proclaimed, declared, and sang with praise in our hearts to God, not just one day a week or two days a week, but every moment of our lives? What if no matter what is going on in our lives, we cheered for him, we cheered for God, we praised God with hands held high in his victory? What if we surrendered all that we are to him, not just for a moment, but also for forever? And to kind of illustrate this, I'm going to do an activity. Now, please don't hurt yourself, okay? I'm just saying, okay? Especially if you're watching this online later, don't hurt yourself. But we're going to have a contest, okay? If you have medical conditions, do not participate in this activity, okay? Just saying. So here's what I'm going to do. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that you take a deep breath and hold it. However, if you start running out of air and you need to breathe, please breathe. I don't want you seeing Jesus anytime sooner than you're supposed to. Okay? We got that? Okay. Especially for those of you guys who are watching online. Just saying. So you guys ready? For real, we're going to take a deep breath and we're going to hold it as long as we can. And again, please make sure you breathe. Okay? Even if it's like one second after, you're like, oh, I got to breathe. That's okay. All right? Ready? Three, two, one. Hold your breath. 
Oh, okay, I lost. Now, if you're still holding your breath, congratulations. Because I got a lot of message left I got to do, so that's why I need to breathe. But, okay, now you can take a breath. That was about maybe a little less than a minute. Okay? But you see, just like that illustration, worship isn't supposed to be something that we do once or twice a week in church. See, that's like only taking a breath once or twice a week. Imagine that. Imagine that breath that you just took, you had to last all week. You couldn't. You'd die. We can't even go two minutes with holding our breath. And the same is true when it comes to worship. See, worship is not an event. It is a lifestyle. And it's one that you and I are called to live as believers. Tonight, we're going to discover three amazing biblical truths that will help us live the life of a worshiper. So if you're taking notes, in order to discover how to live life as a worshiper, we must first understand that the first thing is this. You and I were made to worship. You and I were made to worship. Now, I want to say this really clearly. You and, I were, you and I were made to worship. It's not something that we do, however. It's our identity. Because you and I were created to give God glory. In fact, it says it in Isaiah 43, two verses. The first verse is found in seven where it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. And then it continues in verse 21. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. You see, you and I were created for worship. You and I were made to worship. We were created to give glory. And sometimes we forget that part, though. Sometimes we hold on to the, I'm a child of God, or I'm, Jesus loves me, or I'm forgiven. And we hold on to all these things. And here's the thing. While all of these are truths, yes, you are a child of God, you are loved, you are forgiven, you're accepted, you're redeemed, all these things are truths. It's in our identity as a worshiper that this becomes evident. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I don't know anything, I don't know a lot about this subject, but I'm going to try my best to to share it, because I don't know anything about cars. But I do know this, there's an engine, there's a gas tank, there's... I told you, I don't know anything, see? There's wheels. There's a steering wheel. See, there's wheels and a steering wheel. There's, there's air conditioning. There's all these things, right? All these things make up a car. So, yeah, I'm just saying, I was, I was never a car guy. And so all these things don't make up a car, right? All these things are car parts. But you put them together, they become a car. In other words, what I'm saying is, Yes, you are a child of God. Yes, you are loved. Yes, we are forgiven. Yes, but here's the thing. Wrapped it, wrap it all together with worship, that's where we understand it the most. See, when we, we understand we were made for worship, that's when we understand that we are children of God. When it comes to worship, when we understand that you and I were made for worship, that's when we understand that we are loved by God, that we are forgiven. Because you and I were created for worship. But here's where it gets hard for us. 
sometimes we don't realize that we were made for worship unto the Lord because we're too busy worshiping other things. See, we get distracted with worshiping our jobs, our things, other people, or even ourselves. And when it doesn't fulfill us, we lose sight of who God created us to be as worshipers. We need to realize that it is in worship that we have a relationship with the one we worship. Exodus 23, and there's a reason why uh, this is the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because worship defines our relationship towards God by revealing our identity in God. See, I will never be a follower of God if I'm not worshiping God. And how do I know this? Because Jesus said it. Jesus actually uh, was given the opportunity to worship anything else. He was, he, in fact, when Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, this is what happens. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, Satan said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, there's a reason why Jesus wouldn't and couldn't do that. It's because Jesus had a relationship with God the Father. Therefore, he was not able, he would not be able to bow down and worship Satan. And here's the thing. We all worship. Whether this is your first time, your million time to church, whether you're a new believer or a dedicated veteran of the faith, we all worship. But it's not about whether or not we worship. It's rather about who or what we worship. See, whatever we worship in our lives, whatever we worship in our lives, we will ultimately give life to. I'm going to say that again because I want us to catch that. See, whatever we worship in our lives, we will ultimately give life to. In fact, you're giving your life to. But it's only when we worship God that he gives us life. See, God is, God is different from everything else. We give him life, but before even do, he, we do that, he already gives us life. God is, the only one that we can, God is the only one that we can worship that will give us life. Everything else will give us death. And because he gives us life, he becomes our identity. A couple years ago, we had our uh, zero gravity camp at Spencer's Beach Park. And just letting you know, I love worship. Like, I love worship. After realizing what worship really was, it wasn't this and all that, I came to love worship. And I remember this one year, uh, we were at Spencer's, and uh, all the kids, it was free time, so all the kids are swimming or they're playing basketball. They're, they're everywhere else except for in the pavilion. And so... I'm in the pavilion, and I'm, I have my guitar, and I'm just starting to kind of play. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful at Spencer's. If, you, if you've never been there, like, like during summer, it's so beautiful. The, the water is so serene. I mean, the sky is blue. And so it was such a beautiful day. So there I am 
playing my guitar and I start singing worship. Because I'm just like, Lord, this is such an awesome, I'm reflecting on what took place thus far at camp, and so I'm singing, and it was so funny, I'm closing my eyes and I'm singing, and all of a sudden I open my eyes, and there's a lot of people around us. Like we're sitting on the, like I'm sitting on the bench under, in the pavilion, and all of a sudden I open my eyes, and there's like five, six, seven other guys there singing now. And I look at each other, and, and it was so amazing, it was because it wasn't about the music. It was about our God. We understood that right now, at that moment, we were reflecting who our God was and what, all the great things he was doing at camp. It was such a powerful moment. In fact, uh, some of us, we still talk about that moment because it was definitely a Holy Spirit moment. Because it was in that moment that we understood we were made to worship. We were created to give God glory. You see, when we understand that we were made to glorify God and worship him, we can start to live life as a worshiper by realizing the second point, that we have to live as worship. That we have to live as worship. You see, God wants us to understand that when it comes to a lifestyle of worship, it's more than this. It's more than singing, it's more than dancing, it's more than music. See, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that what we, that what we did 20 minutes ago was bad, but, but the thing is this. Music, songs, clapping our hands, lifting our hands, shouting out, they should all be outward expressions of what's happening on the inside. That if on the inside we're not doing that, it's not a lifestyle of worship. It's just an act. You see, God desires that worship would be more than a feeling, but rather a genuine part of our lives. I remember this one time years ago in our youth ministry. Um, we would do worship, and, and we would do worship, and you know, this is teenagers, right? We're doing with teenagers, high schoolers. And so I remember the first time, we're, uh, one night, we're doing worship, we're singing, we get to the more in-depth worship part, and this one teenage girl starts bawling, and then she falls down on the ground, and she's crying, and everybody surrounds her, and so, we're, so as adults, right, we're like, is she okay? So we go check on her, and all this, and everybody's around her praying for her, and oh, you know, oh, Lord, and so they're praying, it's great, it's genuine, it's awesome, and then the next week, worship comes around again, and we get to that part of service, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? Girl cries, boom, on the ground, one more time, and I'm like, man, and like, people are like looking around again. People come, oh, you know, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And they're praying and all this and that. And I'm like, okay, maybe she's really connected to the Lord and maybe this is her moment. And so the third week comes and we're doing worship again. And guess what happens? The Holy Spirit apparently wasn't done because she falls down again. And I was at this moment, I'm going, say, okay, something's, something's little off here. And I noticed that everybody would come and pray for her and dis, dis, uh, disrupt worship. It was no longer about Jesus. It was about her lying on the ground. And so I remember uh, we talked about it, us adults, we were talking about it. And so the following week, I wasn't uh, leading worship. I was actually uh, in, you know, with the youth during worship. And guess what happens? For the fourth week in a row, the Holy Spirit, boom, whacks her and puts her on the ground. 
And so I'm standing there, and again, again, just like clockwork, everybody comes around. Oh, it's okay. And they were praying, and cry- everybody's crying. It's an emotional moment. And I'm standing there, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, talk to me right now, please. Is this you? And so the Lord speaks to me, and I'm like, okay. So I walk to the girl, and I think what, was really cr- I think what happened was all of you saw me coming. So they're like, oh, the adult leader's coming. Oh, it's going to be an awesome time. And so, so I come by her. I look at her. I get down on my knee and go, get up because you're faking it. And I walk away. I kid you not, in a mi- less than a minute, she gets up, wipes the tears from her eyes, and just stands there. Why? Because it wasn't genuine. She was doing it because everybody's coming around and making sure I'm okay. That's not what worship's supposed to be. That's not what living worship out is supposed to be. Living worship out has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus. And when it comes to worship, it has to be a genuine part of our lives. And in order for it to be genuine, it has to be in every part of our lives. See, worshiping with our lives means full and total surrender of it all. It's more than our hearts. It's every aspect of our bodies. And this is why Paul says it in Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, worship isn't a weekly event, but rather an experience that God calls us to have with every moment of our lives. And this is where, this is where many of us, we get stuck. You see, when we think that worship is only confined to the walls of the church, we stop experiencing the life he wants for us. You see, some of us, some of us, we only worship God in church because this is where we feel accepted and uh, forgiven and loved. But once we step outside, we no longer worship him. We no longer worship the Lord. And then life comes at us, distractions lure us away, and impulsive choices are made. See, I did the math, and there are 168 hours in a week. 168 hours in a week. And if all we spend is two or three hours a week worshiping the Lord in church, he no longer remains our God, but rather becomes an idol. Because if this is all that we do, if this is the only moment that we come to worship, we're actually saying, Lord, you're not God, you're just an idol. If all we do is is only worship God in church, then every moment outside of church, we are declaring that he is not God, at least to ourselves. In fact, I want to say this. If all we do is worship God in these walls. If all we do is worship God in these walls because we feel loved and accepted and all this, but we're not willing to worship God outside, then how can we expect God to be with us outside of church? Let me tell you, if that's what we do, that's bad. That's horrible. That sucks. Because ultimately what we're saying is, Lord, only in church are you God. And you're worthy of my worship. But outside of church, 
You're just another person. See, Jesus calls us to live a life of worship, not only when we feel accepted, forgiven, and loved, but in every moment so that we can remember that we're accepted, forgiven, and loved. See, I don't get it, I don't get it why we do that sometimes. And I do it too. I'm not going to lie. I do that too. Sometimes I forget to worship God outside, and, I, and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm not accepted, I'm not welcomed, I'm not forgiven, I'm not, I'm not restored, and I'm not loved. Why? Because I stopped worshiping God. When I stop worshiping God, when my lifestyle is no longer about worship unto God, I forget what God is telling me. I forget who God is declaring me to be, that I am his son, that I am loved, that he sent his son to die for me. And sometimes it's in the circumstances that we have to come to worship. There's a story that I heard about a four-year-old boy <clears throat> and uh, he, had a, he, he, he was diagnosed with a really bad disease. In fact, it was right before Christmas, I believe two years ago. And this four-year-old boy, he, you know, he had all the energy in the world and all of a sudden he got sick like that and and so the mom and dad are like, hey, we got to take him to the hospital. And so they took him to the hospital, and the, the doctor said it was bad. It was bad. And when I mean bad, this is what I mean. I mean, it got to the point where the doctors came to the mom and dad and said, listen, we have to do this emergency s- surgery because we can't keep giving him painkillers. we got to do this. And so what they actually ended up doing was they operated on this four-year-old boy without painkillers to save his life. And what happened was it became this big social media thing and, and members of their church would get texted and, and videos of what was happening with this little boy and his condition. And eventually, uh, one of the texts got to the church's worship team, the worship leader, and the text was, it doesn't look good. And it was so amazing because the worship leader, this is a worship leader, and what he said was that when he got that text, his wife fell into his arms and, and he thought to himself, this is it. This is where we lose. This is where all the praying in the world, all the, all the te- you know, everything that we've done as a community, as a church community, all of it, this is where it's going to come to an end. This little boy is going to die tonight. And so the worship leader sat down and, and he's like, I got nothing left. I got, like, like, it seemed like this big giant of unbelief stood before us, saying that this was the night, everything you did up to this point, every single prayer, every single tear, everything, everything you did to this moment, it's done. And then he said, there was something in him that came out. And he started singing. And what he sang was, I raise a hallelujah. He said, that's all he had. And he kept singing it. 
that song and it was so crazy he, he, they actually recorded it they, their worship team came around they, they, they just sang it it was a spontaneous uh, time of worship spontaneous time of worship and, and so they sent it to the dad so the dad gets it and he holds it over his son and they start playing the song and what's so crazy is because the worship team got to share this story as they wrote the song, Raise a Hallelujah. And I love it because as they're explaining it, they, they show, it's a video, and they, they cut to the crowd, and in the crowd is that four-year-old boy who's now six, completely healed. See, if we don't live worship out, then we'll never fully experience who our God is. When we live worship out, when worship becomes our lifestyle, worship can become a weapon against fear, against doubt. See, that's the thing. Psalm 34, verses one to three says it like this, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of all of, all of his kindness to me. Let all who are discouraged take heart. Let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. Now you might be saying, well, I'm not a worship leader. I'm not a pastor. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a businessman. I'm just a grandparent. I'm just a student. I'm, I'm just me. But let me tell you this. Our lifestyle of worship isn't dependent on position or title. John 4, 23 to 24 says it like this, yet a time is coming and has now come when, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And so this is what it's saying. It's saying regardless of who you are, Jesus calls us to be hosts of the Holy Spirit cultivating a lifestyle of worship in us. And when our lives, when we live our lives as worship, everything in our lives becomes worship. When I live life as a worshiper, I place the focus on God rather than myself, my, my situations, my circumstances, or even my desires. When I live as a worshiper, what I do on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights are simply expressions of what I do on the regular when I live as a worshiper, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect or that my life is perfect, but that I'm willing to let the one who is perfect take control of my life. And when I live as a worshiper, I live life connected to Jesus because it's all about him anyway. You see, you and I were made to worship. You and I are called to live as worship. And lastly, the life of a worshiper must have passion for worship. That's the last thing. You have to have passion for worship. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I loved this past Easter. I saw my two daughters, my two oldest daughters, they were on stage and they were singing, they were uh, dancing to Living Hope. They danced to it. And what I love about it is actually it wasn't about Easter, it was every single moment after. Because even to this moment, uh, even to this day, as we're driving, once, in a, once almost every other day, I'll hear them start singing, hallelujah, in their really, you know, cute baby girl voices. Like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they dance it, and, they, and I love it because they sing a lot of songs. But when they sing those songs, there's just a joy that takes root in my heart because they're worshiping God. They're worshiping God, and they don't even really fully know what they're doing. They just think they're singing a song, but they're actually lifting him up in praise. And they're not doing it because daddy says, hey, sing the worship song. Because trust me, I can't. Because if I did that, I'd be like, yeah, you're singing it all wrong. This is the lyrics anyway. But they do it because they're passionate about their God. And what's so great about having a passion for worship is that it moves beyond believing and into living. We become more and more passionate about the one that we are worshiping. And when we let worship become a lifestyle rather than an act, we get to see exactly who God is. See, what's so amazing is that our passion for worshiping God will never outweigh the passion he has for us. See, it's through our worship that we reveal who we truly believe in. And this is why this is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines to understand. Worship is a lifestyle because it will literally be our lifestyle in heaven. Worship is more than a moment. It is eternal. And that's why it's so important to be passionate about worship. Because if we don't stay passionate for worship, it will become mundane, stiff, and mediocre. And not just our worship to the Lord, but our lives as well. You know, I remember um, when Katie and I got married, uh, I think it was within the year that we were married, Christmas came and and Valentine's Day came. And so I remember, okay, I was like, okay, it's our, everybody's telling me, hey, it's your first Christmas as a married couple, yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? And I got told, don't mess it up. I was like, okay. And so I was like, how do I, how do, I do this? How, you know, how do we make uh, our first Christmas together and, and all these things? And so I remember Christmas. Uh, I don't think I had money at the time when Christmas rolled around. And so I remember telling her, uh, I have a plan. And so, so we celebrated Christmas. And then the day after, we drove over to Waikoloa. And I didn't realize this until we were dating that there's actually a Tiffany and Company in Waikoloa. And I don't know anything except for the fact that I heard that Tiffany is like, yeah, because I'm a guy. I don't know. I mean, I saw, I saw, I remember we went to, uh, when we were dating and even uh, every time we go to Waikolo, we go to Tiffany and company and, and there is this pendant of a duck. Now, my wife, Katie, loves ducks. Like, she, she loves ducks. And so I remember there's a pendant for the duck. And at that time, I didn't have money for it. Like I said, I didn't have any money. And so... Uh, what I did was I planned, okay? I planned, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get the money, and then when we go out to uh, Tiffany and come, t- uh, when we go out to Waikoloa, we'll stop at Tiffany, and I'll buy it then. But I'm like, you can't do it like that. You can't just go, okay, let's go to Waikoloa, buy it. Here you go, Merry Christmas, one day later, you know? 
And so I'm thinking, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? And so we celebrate Christmas. The next day we go out to Waikoloa, and I'm thinking, okay, I can't mess this up. I can't, you know, I, I got to make sure I do it good because this is our first Christmas together as wife, as husband and wife. And so, okay, we go. And so I thought, okay, babe, why don't you go walk around, go look around. And, and so she goes, and I go straight to Tiffany and Company. And I, I go to the guy, and I'm like, hi, so I have a question. Do you guys still have this pendant available? He's like, yes, we do. It's like, okay, I, want, I would like to purchase this pendant, but there's an add-on that I want to do. I want to do an entire scene, okay? So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to buy the pendant right now, okay? But I want you to hold it. Do not sell it. And what's going to happen is I'm going to come back in with my wife. I'm going to say, oh, by any chance, do you guys have that duck pendant? And what I want you to say is, I'm sorry, sir, we just sold it. And then I'm going to get angry. I'm like, why, why, why did you sell it? You know, I, was, I wanted to get it and all this and that. And, and then I'm going to ask you, uh, oh, who bought it? And, and, then, and then eventually you're going to say, well, who bought it? It was a gift for somebody named Catherine Anna Bernozzo. So I'm like, okay, so we got it. We're good, right? And so I go get her. We go into Tiffany and Company. And I'm like, oh, babe, let's go. Let's go inside and see if they have the pendant. And she's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like... I've seen movies. I know it's okay, it's okay. It doesn't mean it's okay. And so, and so we go inside and, and, and so we see the worker and I'm like sweating bullets because I'm like, okay, we got to make sure this works. And so I'm like, oh, excuse me, sir. Do you guys still have that duck pendant? And he looks at me and he looks at her and he goes, well, sir, I'm sorry. It actually was just recently purchased. And so Katie's like, oh, it's okay, babe. Let's just go. And I'm like, no, it's not Okay. Sir, excuse me, sir. Can you talk to me? Can you explain to me who just bought? What, what happened? And so I'm like going off, like, like, like full on. And Katie's like embarrassed out of her mind because I'm making a scene. And I, made, and I did that to, to make sure that the security guard doesn't come and shoot me. And so I'm making on a scene. And, and Katie's like, babe, babe, enough. I'm not like, no, no. You know what? Tell me who bought it. You, tell me who bought it. Oh, well, it's, actually, sir, it's, it's actually for somebody named Catherine Anna Bonozo. And Katie's like, what? It's like, Merry Christmas! And then we pay for it, and then we, we, we left, and I was like, yeah. Where was I going with this? Anyway. <laughs> but, but here's what I'm trying to say is that what's so amazing is that that was within our first year of marriage, and what's so amazing is this, that Katie's now, because Katie was kind of the one that was like, oh, don't worry, don't, don't worry about getting anything from me for Christmas. And now she's the one that plans the surprises. And I'm the one that like, ah, don't worry about it, you know, and all this and that. But here's the thing. This is what I've learned. And this is what every wise person who's married, who's had a long marriage, has told me. They told me, don't lose the passion. Because once you lose it, it is hard to get back. And you know what's interesting is it's the same way when it comes to our passion in worship towards our God. See, Romans 12, 11 says it like this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. See, when it comes to a life of a worshiper, we can't settle because our God never settles. He is constantly and continuously doing things in the lives of people. And when we have an authentic passion to worship the Lord with our lives, he not only does something in us, but also in those around us. When we are passionate in worship, Others will see who it is that we are passionate about. He pours into us all that he is so that we can pour out of ourselves all of him. 
I remember the first time I ever lit a fire for a charcoal grill. I thought I was going to explode everything around me. Because they've seen it in TV, right? You take the lighter fluid and you just squeeze every single drop out of the bottle, right? And then you throw the match. I'm thankful I still have my eyebrows. I was like eight, okay, guys? You're saying. But, but here's, why I'm, here's why I'm saying that. It's because our worship should reflect the one we're worshiping. And if we're not careful, if we're not passionate, that fire's going to go. See, we must have a passion for worship without making it an elaborate spectacle. Our worship in our lives should be just as real and alive as our God is. You see, as believers, if we want to continue to burn with the fire of faith, then we must pour on the fuel of worship. And this is important because we live in a world filled with passion killers. Society is filled with counterfeit fuels that will extinguish our faith. But imagine if we, as worshipers, were passionate for Jesus with every moment in our lives. We would give the world an inside look at exactly who our God is. That's why it says in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I are created, called, and commanded to worship God. But we're, do, we're, we're to do that with more than our lips and our hands, but rather with our lives. See, God desires that we would live as worshipers because we were made to worship, live as worship, and be passionate for worship. Over 20 years ago, in a church in Watford, England, modern worship was starting to grow in momentum. Elaborate sound systems, amazing instruments, talented musicians, and of course, epic songs and lyrics were starting to electrify congregations. And in the midst of it all, the pastor of this church noticed something and took action. See, bravely, he got rid of the sound system and even had a season without a band. The pastor, Mike, uh, Mike Pilav- Pilavici, noticed that there was a di- dynamic missing, a big dynamic missing. That as a church, they had lost their way in worship, and the only way to get back to the heart was to strip everything away. In fact, Mike asked, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? See, one of the people who was really impacted by this decision was Mike's worship leader. But while it was, a, but while it was awkward at first, Mike's worship leader realized something completely huge, completely defining. That when the music fades and all is stripped away, and when we simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that's going to bless his heart. That if we bring more than a song, that it's not what's required. If we long to bring something that's of worth, that's going to bless his heart, that's when we come back to the heart of worship. Matt Redman used that season to write the heart of worship because he experienced what it really meant to live a lifestyle of worship. See, worship 
isn't about the music, it's not about the songs, and it's not about clapping our hands or anything like that. Worship really is all about one and one thing only, God. And there's no way that we as believers can say that we love him, we believe in him, and not worship him. But my question to you guys tonight is this, and to you watching is this. To what point do we say worship is our life and not part of our lives? See, you and I were made to worship. You and I were called to live as worship and were to be passionate about worship. What's so amazing is that if we were to be passionate, if we were to live our lives as worship because we're called and created to worship the Lord, you and I would experience God on a far different level. You know, one thing that the youth always ask me is this, how do you know it's real? How do you, how do you experience God the way that you do? And, and the answer is really quite simple. Are you willing to worship him? When you're at work, are you worshiping the Lord there? And I'm not talking about singing, and I'm not talking about clapping or lifting your hands, but I'm saying, when you're at work, are you saying, Lord, you're number one? When you're at home with your kids, are you worshiping the Lord or are you just letting it fade away? We're going to do it forever, guys. You and I are called to worship for the rest of our lives. We might as well start now. We might as well practice here. Because worship is not an event. It is eternal. It is not an act It is the lifestyle that God calls us to live. And when we do, we get to live with him. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, and Lord, this is our prayer, Lord, that, that Lord, for some of us, maybe we've forgotten what it's all about. We got caught up in worshiping other things. And because of that, we feel like you're distant from us. But you say if our hearts would just turn back to you in, in spirit and truth, that we would know who you are once again. Lord, you say that it's not supposed to be a moment, but every moment that we spend with you. Now, Lord, maybe there's some of us here that we do worship you, but we are stuck and we don't know what to do. Well, Holy Spirit, we pray, pour your fire upon us as we did earlier tonight, Lord, help us to surrender all that we are to you. To give you everything and nothing less because, Lord, you give us everything and nothing less. You gave us your son. You gave us eternity. You gave us forgiveness. You give us love. There is no one nor nothing else that deserves worship but you. Let us live a lifestyle of worship from this moment on because, Lord, you're worthy of it all. We love you. We thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen.